Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to the Uncensored Match Build-Up Show. It's Liverpool, it's Bournemouth, it's the Premier League. John Machin, Leanne Prescott, Bailey Shaw joining me in the Red Men TV studios. I nearly said the his owl then, and then I thought better <laughs> of it. So, um, we're not top of the table anymore, which is a little bit disappointing, but also to be expected, John, with Pre- them playing pressure, Everton. Pressure, pressure off. No yeah. Problem. yeah. But I think it, if, the, if the team don't think, right, we've got to go and show them, you know, for this this weekend, and they don't deserve the title. I, I really think that they should go out there and they'd be absolutely up for it and absolutely batter Bournemouth. I think Leanne, you know, the, John talks about the pressure there, and it was something that I was thinking about last week. Is this idea that are we better playing with Manchester City, having a bit more focus on them? I mean, it's all been about Liverpool the last two weeks and stuff. While we've been ahead of them in the table, do you think? Do you think that will play a factor in in, in Saturday's game? I think it will, but we've also got to remember Liverpool fans at the moment, especially on Twitter. It doesn't matter if we're top or if we're second or if we're third; they're just going to be worried the whole time anyway. Um, I think it does help having City sort of actually playing first. I thought that was a good thing. And the fact they are top, I would agree, for me personally, is a good thing. But there will always be fans out there who just think it's, you know, the pressure's on, you've got to win every game. People said after the West Ham result that the title's over. So there's always going to be that, like, hyperbolic reaction, whether you're first or third. People did, still say Spurs are in the title race. So. We have that. Why is it either here or here and it's never down the middle? Why is it like the title? We're bottling it. Why isn't it just Liverpool drew against the side that played well? When I genuinely couldn't tell you. I think it's just because people wanted the title race for so long. Now we've got it. They're scared to enjoy it. They're scared that we might not get there. And so for them, if we don't get there, it's what was the point? But actually, you should be sitting. You should enjoy this team. You should enjoy what they're capable of and what they've produced this season. Um, but it's, it's not just us. You know, City fans are like that as well. But they're just more used to being in the title races, I think, at the moment. Did Bailey, did you ever think that if Liverpool were to win the league this season, it was going to be plain sailing? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> if you were, then you've not watched Liverpool for the last 20, 30 years, have you? And I think that you might have a great point to think that when we played City and we had that chance to make the gap, whether it was seven or ten points, and it was sort of like everyone was like, oh, my God, this is mental. I, that terrified me, to be, to be that far away, because you've got so much to lose, because it's that the bigger you are, harder you fall sort of stance, isn't it? And every week that we didn't win, whether we drew, we, we lost, it'd be all the, the gaps getting closer and the media love to put the pressure on Liverpool because they're not City and City have done it before. So there's not that pressure there. So I think that I, I, I like the tightness. I mean, I don't like, like, I think if you had that draw against West Ham at the start of the season and you had that 4-0 last week, nothing said because I feel like the closer we get to the end of the season, it becomes more and more real. People don't believe at the start, it's just a brilliant run. 
gets past Christmas, we're still top, and then it's sort of like every single game's on a knife edge, and you just you're not enjoying the football because you just want to win and you want to see some silverware. But I completely agree with Leanne. It's sort of like you just have to breathe sometimes and realise that we haven't had it this good in a long time. And I think that when you look at the squad, you look at the manager, you look at how far we've come. Everyone wants to win something, but I think at the same time, everyone wants to see a good Liverpool team putting good results and I just think the last two weeks have been a bit of a, a blip as we've called it. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it, John? I think it, there probably shouldn't be too much to worry about off the back of the last two results. I think there's extenuating circumstances that goes into both of them, I think. No. Well, you know, I mean, you you draw, get, we're not getting beat. We've lost one all season. I mean, it's, it's actually crazy to think that we draw a game away and people suddenly think everything's disaster. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I said last time we were on that there would be points dropped between now and the end of the season, both by Liverpool and City. And I still think that's true. I still think there are points to be dropped. And I, we're in the driving seat. We've got a three-point edge. But even if we lost that, the, the season's there's still 13 games to go, you know, or a dozen. But, um, and I, you know, we've been really terrific this season, and I don't see that changing. I don't see us getting beat particularly. We might have a couple of draws on the way. But to be honest, I think if we beat United next week, I think that's the title. Wow. I think we're done. Okay. I'm reminded of, I was reading an article uh, a day or so ago, maybe on Sports Illustrated. Everyone knows I'm an NFL fan. And they were talking about how, the the writer was talking about how he, he doesn't think that you should draw hard and fast um, judgments on any side in sport based off close results, whether that's a draw, a close win or a close loss. And and his point in the NFL side of things that most people will have seen the Super Bowl is, you know, Tom Brady might not have been in that Super Bowl if D Ford for the Kansas City Chiefs doesn't line up two inches over the line. Like they wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl. But now the story all off season is that Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever, whereas the story had he put his foot there would have been, he's too old to be able to do this. Hmm. And I think about that Divock Origi miss at the end of the game. Now, that goes in. That's title winning form. It doesn't go in. Liverpool are bottling the Premier League. Well, it's, it the same, it's the same with Everton. We scored that bizarre goal right at the death. And, you know, that is, the impetus for us was phenomenal. No one talks about how bad we were in that game hmm. or how good Everton looked or, you know, we made them look. And that's forgotten. We got the three points, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, so that is, it's the same point, really. That's it. A game of football and a season of football is made up of these tiny little moments, and you need millions of these moments yeah. to sort of yeah. go your way. Yeah. At the moment, it feels like the last two games, they've gone the other way. But there are plenty of times this season where we've forced the issue and we've gone on and, and, and Capitalised well, on it. Maybe Klopp's thinking along the same lines because this year he's clearly been determined that we weren't conceding lots of goals, but that has had an effect on how many goals we've scored at the other end. I mean, less than people think. You know, we've still scored a lot of goals, but um, that sort of exhilarating 15 minutes in games where we annihilated people that seems to have stopped. But you know, maybe Klopp is thinking that you know those little moments are what count. You know, winning one nil is as good as winning five nil. It's true, isn't yeah. it? And you can get to conserve energy towards the end of the games if we're not pushing on and you know you can sit back a little bit. On to this game then a little bit more, Leanne. Let's start with um, Bournemouth for a minute. Um, we know how Eddie Howe likes to play. I think we've dominated them over the last few games. You know, We beat them 4-0 earlier on in the season, 8th of December. We beat them 3-0 last time at Anfield and 4-0 away last December of 2017. 
Um, side we've scored 11 goals against, not conceded. Is it a good time to play them? Because I thought that about West Ham. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's I think the last few weeks have shown in the Premier League there's never an easy game, so you can't really say it's a good time to play Bournemouth. I'm a big, big fan of Eddie Howe. I think he plays really, really good football and can potentially get a move in the summer if he wanted one. Um, but yeah, this is ideally the perfect time to play Bournemouth. Liverpool are in a blip, as you said. And so Bournemouth is an opposition. You would expect Liverpool to be scoring goals. You said 11 scored, zero conceded. So this is kind of on paper the perfect opposition. But the paper doesn't win you the Premier League. It's it's the performance. And we are going through a blip. The players now need to step up. And if they don't step up, as you said, you know, do they deserve the title if they can't win against Bournemouth at home? I'm not sure. This is the opportunity to kind of respond to the to the doubters. And that's it. It's got we've got to make sure Bailey now that that blip is over. Yep. You know, get back, put your stronger side out, get some goals again. We know Salah scored three last time out, mm-hmm. but Bournemouth can't be taken for granted at all. And it's no. not something that I think Klopp and the Liverpool players have done all season is take anyone for granted. No, yeah, I think you've all made excellent points there, and I think that. Interesting stat to me that I saw is that we, outside of the Newcastle game, which we played, which was six games ago, Fabinho and Lovren scored. Since then, only our front three have got on the score sheet in that period, which is was mad to me. So the fact, like I say, Salah's had great joy there before. They, they clearly are weak in, the, in, in defence, as good as they are going forward. I think that this is a great time that our front three can really get back into their sort of their form. And I think that... What you'll see with the preferred 11s, I'd, I'd the likes of bringing in Cater, bringing in Shakiri maybe in the 10 and, and having those players that you can really go at a team and get some goals together. Because I think these scrappy 1-0s, one, sort of one goal margins, are possibly playing on their confidence. So it'd be good, and we say it every week, to go out and get a 3-0, or 4-0. Just, just, to, just put a, a convincing, well-competitive uh, competitive performance together for me. And I think, like everyone said, it, no, no game's easy. And I think that... I mean, it, the thing is, Bournemouth get a really good press because they play decent football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the record isn't great. I mean, I think they've only won three away games all season and lost the rest. Yeah. And they've lost to the likes of Cardiff and Burnley and Everton. You know, everyone beats them, basically. Um, so, you know... Is it naive, is style of football away from home then? Well, it, it looks like, doesn't it? You know, I mean, and they think Tottenham put five past them and I, I'm expecting us to do the same. But I, when on. you go and, when you go and beat Chelsea four 0 at home, it sort of I don't know it balances well, it out a bit. I don't know. Oh, that, yeah, well, that's one good home. Result. They're, they're yeah, not yeah. bad at home, yeah. even though we beat them four 0 Yeah, I mean their home record is fine. That's why they're were they tenth in the tenth, table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're a tenth in the table on the back of their home form. Mm. Their away form is atrocious. Absolutely, no, it is, and uh, you know. It's got to be something that Eddie Howe has always had a good reputation. I like him as a manager as well. I like the style of football that he plays. I think he's achieved good success with a side without, uh, with a lot of budget limitations and stuff. And he plays football in the right way, and I like that. I also like the fact that we get to whoop him every time we play them. <laughs> but that's that's down in part to the style of football that he'll play against you. Mm-hmm. You know, it leaves yourself open at the back sometimes against yeah. sides with better players than yours. And yeah, I think he's he's clearly got a lot of faith in his players. Like I, I was going through because Callum Wilson's obviously out for the game, which is as a loss. But so I was like, where where are the goals coming from then? And Josh King King's got eight goals, three assists. Brooks six goals, four assists. Fraser six goals, ten assists. He really knows that he's got some brilliant attacking players in his team. I think he. Wherever he goes, he wants to show people that, that he's a good attacking manager, that he's got mm. some really talented players in his team that he's managed into very good uh, Premier League footballers. But then I think the reason, because they're seventh in terms of goals scored in the league, first outside the top six, the problem there is that they're 44 goals conceded to their 37 goals scored. 
they're very good going forward and I think they lose their defensive capability. So I think, like John said, the five nils that you see away from home, maybe he gets so self-assured that he wants to play this rock star, sort of, I can show you how many goals I can score and forgets, almost like us last season. I think that if we if we go and have just a solid defence that we've, we've, we're used to the first half of the season and our front three just let them play almost, just be like, well, they're going to come at you, so go and do your worst against them, against a defence that's not very good, clearly. Well, saying all that then, and we'll park the preferred 11s for, for later on in the show, John, it sounds like if they're going to come out and attack us, is 4-3-3 the best option for this game? Yeah, I think or so. Or is 4-2-3-1? No, I think 4-3-3 three, three should be our default position at home all the time. I think we should be going out to win games at home comfortably. Because mm. we're good enough, you know. I think away from home, you've got to be a bit more circumspect. But you know, we're, we're, until a few couple of games ago, we hardly conceded a goal at home. Well, that you was know. down in part to the four-two-three-one, yeah. the defensive stability of the extra defensive but midfield. It, there, you know, it 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 does suggest that we're under less pressure at home defensively, mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, we should be using it to to go at people and put games to bed. I mean, and yeah. how many times have we struggled on, you know, with um, Nil nil until half time when you know we could be two two or three nil up. Yeah, see, I, I sorry, I, I I disagree with the the four three three. I think that that formation, given our injuries and given the players we've brought in, doesn't fit us anymore. I think that because Fabinho, I think in a four two three one is our best DM. He should be on the pitch. I think that a four three three of last season was brilliant because of Oxlade Chamberlain, because we haven't had him in and we've been trying to play Cater in there, Shakiri in there in the tent to, to spark it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it really doesn't. Whereas I think the consistency we get from a four-two-three-one and the fact that we've got to cover uh, uh, no preferred right back, no Joe Gomez, we need that stability. I think at the back, and I think a four-two-three-one offers you the space of if you need to sit deep, you can. You can put your six men behind the ball, but then if you want to break, you can put six men going forward. I think it suits Fabinho the best. I think Kate is safer in, in, a, in a double pivot midfield. I think it gives him the opportunity to go, you knowing Hendo and Fabinho behind him. So for me, I think. 4-3-3 was good for us last season, but I think we need the right players for, to, to, for it to work again. Yeah. I, mean, I, I sort of disagree because most of last season we didn't have actually Chamberlain playing mm, true. In, in the three anyway. His preferred three was, was Milner, Henderson and Wijnaldum. And that's how we finished up when, yeah. when oh, Alex got injured. I mean, I, I, Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think, would be brilliant. Uh, if he's back, mm. the sooner the better, really, because he, he was absolutely brilliant last season. But... Uh, I, I think we can do four three three without him, you know, yeah. and particularly at home. I mean, I, I don't think we should be scared of teams at home. I think yeah. we should go and put them to the sword. Don't you think that the Palace game though might be a slight reminder that you know we do need to have that defensive stability? We spoke earlier about Ryan Fraser, who has got absolute abundance of pace, and he could be someone who did effectively what Wilfred Zaha did on the counter attack. And players like Fabinho, Henderson, it's not as if they just sit there, they're just capable of sitting there. They can go forward with the ball. We've seen that with Fabinho this season as well. So yeah. it's not just a defensive formation. No, I, I know it's not. I'm, I'm just, my preferred yeah. is for Salah to be out on the on the wing, yeah. Fabinho to be in a false nine and, and uh, Mane to be running right on the left. And I've, yeah. I've missed that. No, I, think, I think that's where we get our goals from. Yeah. Those electrifying 15 and 20 minutes against the likes of Roma and City last yeah. season. That's what I think we should have every home game. 
away, I think, is different. I think you can set yourself up differently away from home because mm. you've got to be a bit more careful yeah. Yeah. Uh, and build a solid base before you know you win games. But yeah. at home, I, what the hell? You know, we're Liverpool. We should be chopping <laughs> everyone. I must admit, I'm kind of torn between the two because I, I prefer the four-two-three-one. But what John says about the the three forwards is what I find to be the most interesting yeah. about that. And I'd and we'll come on to the preferred elevens a little bit later. But I've found the way I feel. That you play four two three one and you put them three in their best positions because I think that's what it's about for me. It's yeah. about you know we do need to possess the ball. It's what teams are doing for us. They're sitting back and we need to find a way where we can play through them. Um, so all that being said, then Leanne, what formation do you actually expect Klopp to play? I do expect him to go for a four two three one purely because I think. It, it gives us a little bit of both, as we were saying. It gives you the defensive stability if someone like Ryan Fraser and um, Josh King are able to break on the counter-attack. But it also allows players like Fabinho to go forward mm-hmm. to provide that pass into the front three. He has got the creative eye, so I think it, it, it gives you a bit of both. Um, the four-three-three, I would like to see it, but I just can't see Klopp actually doing it. No, I, no, I absolutely agree. Klopp is definitely going to go with four-two-three-one. And I think he'd probably play that in every game this season. It's just not what I want to see yeah. at Anfield. And, and the, the notion that you know, Crystal Palace showed that we need that stability, they scored three goals against us when we were playing yeah. 4-2-3-1. So mm. you know, it wasn't very successful. You know. <laughs> so what about um, the star man, Mohamed Salah, Bailey? Had to last time out against Bournemouth. Yep. In fact, this was one of the games where people seem to forget that Salah could have gone down for a penalty, was mm. kicked stayed up, put the ball in the back of the net. It was only the 8th of December, yet the story around Salah's changed significantly in the media. Yeah. Uh, how do we get the best out of him against Bournemouth? Because he played up front last time mm. and he scored three goals. Do you think they'll be worried, Ake and Cooks? That, yes, that absolutely will. I mean, they, they, they've leaked so many goals this season. I mean, as good as they are going forward, they're not good at the back. And I think wherever we play him, to be honest, I think he'll cause them problems. For me, personally, I think I'd like to see him on the right. And I agree with John there that I think he gets his, the most joy out of players over on that side of the pitch. And I think but it's hard because I, mean, I think that I see that because of how electric he was breaking on the right. But as you've made, you've made the case plenty of times, he, he basically comes in the middle anyway. So what's the difference of playing him in the middle? So I'd, I'd think that regardless of where he plays, I think this, this a team that comes at us and gives him the space along that back line, I think he'll have a world of fun there. And it wouldn't surprise me if he got two or three again against that team. OK, uh, we're going to take a little break now. Uh, I was lucky enough to sit down with Liverpool Echo, Liverpool FC reporter James Pearce today for the Newsroom podcast over on www.theredmentv.com. Here's a nice little clip from that. You know, there's going to be some sizeable gaps to fill, I think, Certainly up front, you know, Daniel Sturridge will leave this summer at the end of his contract. Wouldn't surprise me if Origi goes as well. Um, so then Liverpool will have to invest in a in a in a striker, um, you know, and that's not going to come cheap. Obviously, you know, you I think I think we've seen already in recent months where City have the, the you know they have the benefit of bringing on Gabriel Jesus where. You know the drop off from Liverpool from Firmino down is too great. That needs to be addressed. Um, you know Adam Lallana, his future is uncertain. You know will he still be at Liverpool next season? You know is that another area they'll need to look at left back cover? Um, I know you know there's big hopes for Adam Lewis at the academy, but again you know it's still a big leap. We're talking about a player that's not really. 
been involved around the first team yet. So, you know, with Moreno going, that that's another area. The goalkeeper situation, Mignolet, um, you know, I'd say Mignolet's absolutely nailed on to, to go this summer. Um, so then you need a, a backup for Alisson. I don't, I don't think, you know, again, Kelleher, Grabara, hopes for them. But, you know, are either those two in a position where you'd, you know, if anything happened to Alisson, you'd be happy to throw one of those into Premier League battle? I'm, I'm not so sure. And and as, you know, the, the biggest one for me will be centre-half because I'd say Liverpool have to go and buy, you know, a, a front-line centre-half this summer. Right, we've scared to the round enough. We're coming back to the preferred 11s. But before we do, if you think that that newsroom podcast might be for you. It's £5 a month. If you like it, the first month is free for everybody, even if you don't like it, the first month is free. If you like it, keep it. If you don't like it, just fuck it off. It's fine. But give it a try. We've got loads and loads of cool stuff on the website at the moment. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It is preferred 11's time. It is Bailey Shaw to give us his. I'm guessing 4231431433. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that sounds okay. Um, <laughs> you know what? Detective Pajak was listening in the first half of the show. I'm on it. You are. Um, you like Paul Machen? <laughs> just not as good looking. I don't know. <laughs> Said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bailey, you're um, starting at 11. Oh, wait, hang on a minute. I've got them all wrote down in front of me. So if I didn't get that right, then I'm an idiot, which is also no, you did get it right. Yeah, you did. Um, Bailey, yes. who started right back for you? Trent and Hendo are probably going to be fifth for this game. See... We're having this little discussion upstairs. I was told by my source, Tom Dutton, that he probably isn't going to be fit. So I've put Milner in there. So that's the case of me putting him in there. So you've just thrown Dutton under the bus. That's not what I've said. You definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway. If Trent's fit, definitely play him. I mean, he, the, the thing we missed most against West Ham was that width. I think the, Milner can get forward, but I don't think he realises every time he gets to a good space, he has to cross it. I think there is an option to play it inside or to try and come inside himself, which Trent does brilliantly. So... If Trent's fit, he's definitely in there. But my my source may or may not have been Tom Dutton, apparently, uh, tells me that he's not fit. So I put Milner in there alongside Matip because Lovren's not fit. Um, Van Dijk and Robertson to round that off. Your yep. midfield two, you've gone for Fabinho and Henderson. Yep. And I think, actually, Liam, we'll bring you in at this point. You've actually gone for the right answer at right back, Trent, because you yep. didn't speak to Tom before the show, <laughs> which makes perfect sense. Um You've gone for the same midfield two as Bailey with Fabinho and Henderson. And then it gets a little bit interesting from there. Yeah, so I've I've gone for Cater in kind of the number 10 role. I think he's he's had a bit of a hard time of it. He's not been quite himself 
ever since that, arguably the first day, day of the season against West Ham, he's not really um, found found his groove. But I think there were signs in the last game that he was capable of producing something. He had that creative pass for Origi, who, OK, he was offside, but it was a great pass. And I think that, that eye for creativity is something Liverpool need to use now. Um, the only issue would be if he's shafted out left again, I think that would kind of come... And, back to haunt Liverpool in some ways. I think that's the the one negative Klopp has had this season is is putting Cater out there. Um, but yeah, I've gone for him in the ten and Salah and Mane out wide because I I, I agree. Yeah, I agree that Salah's best when he's out wide. I think it also gives Liverpool a flexibility in their attack. So if Salah does drift inside, you've got Mane who can go out to the other side. You've got Cater who can come out to the wing if need be. Firmino can drop off as well. And that was something that we were talking earlier about how Liverpool blew away teams and that was a big part of it, having that flexibility in attack, having the unpredictable, effectively the unpredictable front four. So Cater, I think that's the role he should be in if we want to see the best out of him. And Bailey, you went for exactly the same, or, you know, Fabinho, Henderson, yep. uh, Salah, Cater, Mane yep. and Firmino up top. Is, is it, are they the same reasons or is there anything you can add there for us? I think... Salah on the right, it's just against West Ham, for example, when he's playing with his back to goal and there's just a, a sea of players behind him, I don't think we get the best out of him. Whereas I think Firmino there in a tight space where he can work his feet, he's brilliant at it. I think that um, when we've got Salah on the right, he causes so many more problems, especially when you don't have the likes of Trent to stretch people. I think having him over there again to, to cause problems and, and to pull that defence apart when, when they want to park the bus, I just think that that... We've seen the, the the Salah up front, and I think for low block teams, it's probably not as successful. So I'd like to see just for this game, if Bournemouth do come and try and park the bus, we we switch them out to the right. It's interesting that I'm thinking back to the last game against Bournemouth, and there was times during that game where I don't know I wasn't at the game, but you could hear the Liverpool fans giving it the odd way because the amount of passes that we were playing and the football that we were playing during that game was was quite astonishing at yeah. times. And Cater actually played, I think it was out on the left there. I looked at the formation before, it said Firmino and Salah were playing up top in a two with Mane on the right hand side. I, I, I seem to remember that being more of a 4-2-3-1, that yeah. part of December. Cater left, Firmino in the 10, Salah with Mane, or was it Shakiri? I forget. Um, apologies. But that we had a lot of success with that and we were able to build up through that, John. I mean, your team is a 4-3-3. Um, You've started with the same back line as everybody else. You've yeah. changed assume, it in midfield. the transfer, yeah. The midfield's interesting. Henderson, Milner and Cater in a 4-3-3. Yeah, I, I think Henderson, maybe, we missed Henderson at, yeah. at West Ham, no doubt about it. Um, so I think he'll come back in. And I think if Wijnaldum was fit, then Wijnaldum and Fabinho, I think, are absolutely brilliant together. Um, but with, without Wijnaldum, I think we do need a little bit more in midfield and I think Milner and Henderson together will give us that and then Cater um, and I, I don't think Cater needs necessarily to be tied to the left I think he can roam a bit you know um, but I'm, I'm more cons- I think the midfield is all about who's fit rather yeah. than anything yeah. else so um, it's a straight choice really between you know four people four or five people um, whereas the front three for me picks itself and as I said earlier on, you know, I I really want to see us back to that proper, you know, 
stretched across the front, the three of them. What well, one of the things that I find quite interesting, and you know, we don't normally talk about the players that aren't in our preferred 11s, but it's interesting that none of us have actually pictured Aidan Shaqiri in this. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought he had a terrible game last time out, um, and uh, being out, being on the bench to, to come on and make an impact is probably the best thing for him at the moment. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you think it's fair to say that last three or four weeks he's not been at the level he was earlier on no, in the season? I think he's he's definitely better as a substitute. His performances mm. and his goals clearly show that. But I think the fact that I've put Cater in, my, in the 10, I think means that if he is having a stinker or he's not on form, you can drop Shakiri in there. And he's, so I think he's a brilliant, he's made for a 10 for me. He's a very good right winger, but I think also his, his, his passing ability is mental. I didn't realise when he came to the team that he had that range in, in him. Over the top, along the floor, he's, he's very good with his with his feet. So I think I don't think he's he's shown enough as a starter, and I don't think you don't you certainly don't drop any of your front three for him. So I think that for now he's he's doing the business off the bench. So why change it? And then I think I, I've gone very similar to to you guys. I think I've put Henderson and Fabinho as a two. Kaita slightly ahead of him, not the ten. As I've mentioned this a few times, I I see that more as a a, th- a three-man midfield with a double pivot as opposed to what we played last season. Yeah. Um, Keita getting the ball, picking it up, looking for those one-twos, like he did second half against West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. I thought first half he was poor, but second yeah. half I thought he was Much brilliant, better. looking mm-hmm. to try and get things started. Yeah. Those little one-twos are what I want to see out of a Naby Keita with the front three back in their proper positions. And again, I think we did the build-up show last week and I said the same thing. We're top of the table, or we were top of the table. If we win our game in hand, we'll be Pending top, of the, top of the table. Pending <laughs> top of the table, I like that. And yet we're all throwing the baby out the bathwater. Almost we're all saying what Klopp's done to get us here isn't good enough. And I find that strange sometimes. And I, Listen, I can see it. But I still want to see that front three in the formation they were in last season because I saw I was so excited by it. Um, before we go, let's have a look at some of the rival fixtures then. Uh, Fulham host Manchester United at 12.30 on Saturday. Huddersfield versus Arsenal, 3 o'clock Saturday. We're obviously 3 o'clock Bournemouth. Sunday's where everything gets a little bit interesting though. Spurs host Leicester at 1.30. And then a... The second part of Super Sunday on Sky Sports, the football is Man City versus Chelsea. It's supposed to be four Partridge. o'clock. What's that voice? <laughs> Just a voice that came to my head. It's been speaking to me for a long time. Um, I needed to let it out. So yeah, it's City versus Chelsea, four o'clock. It's the big game of the weekend. Does anyone actually think Chelsea are going to win this game? Because it's being billed like it's a huge game. They beat them I think... 2-0. Last time they played. So, but But... To coincide that, no. <laughs> I think it was Chelsea's last away game, 4-0 at Bournemouth. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, they'll beat City. You do? Yeah. Go on. I do. That's what we need. I do think they'll beat City. OK. I think at 1-1 draw. I think draw. City are not playing very well, despite all you know, the, the, the storm that's surrounded us being off form. People are forgetting that you know City got beat at Newcastle two, two games ago. They didn't look brilliant in winning the next game. And last night, apparently, from what I can gather, they didn't really play very mm. well at Everton. No, yeah. So, you know, Chelsea, if they hit form, and why wouldn't they play in City? Why wouldn't you want to play your best? I've got Mr Higuain, two goals in the bag last game. I mean, that mm. that's probably a different dimension that, that they haven't had from Chelsea in years. A good striker. I mean, that you've, you've always bank on if Morata's playing, it's going to be an easy ride almost. Because if, if you can shout Hazard and Willian, you're fine. So I think it's a different dimension that Higuain brings there. But I think the problem is, 
every game that as long as if we worry about our games and we die by our games, fine. Everything else is gravy. Like if they win or lose, who's asked? As long as we win our games, it doesn't matter. So I think that people get caught up watching Everton versus City because maybe City will drop points. You don't need to look at it that way because if, if if they do and it happens, great. But I don't think that should affect our our game at all anymore. I think yeah. I, I think it was something that Carragher said to us yesterday at the at the Legends event, and it was we're the only team in the league that can say. If we win all our games, we win the league, and that's still a good position to be in. You yeah. know, everybody wants to be in that position at the end of the day. And you know, Man City, I've got tough fixtures. You know, they but they did have a tough fixture last weekend, which they came out of. Mm-hmm. You know, they had three games in a week. We've seen that sometimes they've had a wobble towards the end of these tough runs. Maybe it'll be this game. Don't expect Manchester City to lose. Do your own business yeah. mm. and you'll exactly. win the league. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly. where I'm at as well. Uh, so listen, it's been a it's been a really enjoyable, interesting debate of an uh, uncensored match build-up show. Thank you to John, of course, Leanne joining us, uh, and Bailey. And thanks to the lads Tom and Cy behind the camera. Thank you, though, for watching, for subscribing. And don't forget to like and comment on the video. And we'll see you all next time. Hopefully after Liverpool play Bournemouth off the park and score like seven goals. So. <laughs>